The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and good afternoon if you are tuning in live. If you are downloading the podcast, thank you for doing that, and we're so glad that you're here listening to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and you're tuning in most likely because you're thinking about or making a transition, and figuring out that the world isn't what it used to be and things are done a little bit differently. So that's why I'm here And doing this show is to help you gain the skills and tools that you need to manage your own career in the wild, wild west of workforce that we have today. So each week I share my experiences helping thousands of professionals advance in their career. And I bring in industry leaders to provide career intelligence really to help you stay ahead of the curve and proactive in achieving your own career goals. And today we have a very special guest. I'm so excited to have Jared Reddick joining us on the show. And Jared is an executive resume writer and owner of the Resume Studio in San Francisco. He's been doing this for more than 17 years. We were just talking about that. And has spent a lot of time of that time, a lot of that time, as an executive recruiter, both in New York and San Francisco, working with retained executive search firms. And that's what we're going to talk about today is what are retained executive search firms, what's the difference between an executive search firm and a contingency firm, and he's really going to be sharing the vast wisdom that he's gained doing searches for Fortune 15 companies and for lots of nonprofit organizations, recruiting C-level people all across the country. So if you want to take advantage of asking Jared or I a question, you can always call in live at 866-472-5790 or you can email me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com with your questions. So, Jared, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so exciting. So let's start with the difference between a retained search person, retained executive search person, and a contingent recruiter. What's the difference there and what can people be looking for to know what type of person they're talking to? Absolutely, and there are some really interesting uh, and important differences, I think. 
I think the, the quickest way to look at it is, um, or sort of to understand it, is retained search is similar to an exclusive realtor, and contingency search is when everybody has it's a free-for-all. I think that's the best way to sort of describe it. Another comparison might be um, retained search is really specifically looking for a needle in a haystack, and contingency search is a lot broader and more freewheeling, if you will. Um, okay. That's probably the, the uh, best way to look at it from, an, from a high level. There are a lot of nuances that um, sort of flow from that, I suppose. Um, and um, one of the, I guess, one of the first things to know is, you know, how do you tell if, if a firm is, is retained or contingency? I think this is probably the number one tip I share most with people. If it's a retained search firm, somewhere in the bio, somewhere in the copy, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's um, typically it's not a posting, by the way, because they won't post, and if they do, it's going to be blind posted. Um, but the the um, uh, if it says retained executive search firm, that word retained, then that means, of course, that it is. If there is no mention about what that firm might be, then you can make the assumption that it's contingency. Okay. And explain to our listeners who may not kind of understand the difference, what's the difference functionally between a retained and, and contingent search? How are they operating differently? Yeah, absolutely. So the re, the um, I'll talk a little bit about sort of both and um, talk about their big differences between contingency. I'll go back to starting with contingency and then retained. So contingency is often looking at or working with local or regional um, types of roles, where retained search is often working with very, very large companies at um, uh, the national or even international level. So there's one distinction. The salaries for contingency are often um, between 45000 a year and maybe 150000 a year. These are somewhat generalized, but they give a, um, because there's always an outlier, but these sort of give a sense of the distinctions. Salaries for, uh, sought for retained search are often um, maybe 250K per year to 750K up. Um, a lot of retained search is looking for the C-level folks or maybe mm, SVP level and up for um, very large, very large companies that can afford it. Um, there's a distinction sort of in timing. A lot of times contingency recruiting is going to, um, they're competing against other search firms. Let's say I, as the company who's looking for a specific type of uh, candidate, I can not only post something uh, for people to apply to on their own, I can also hire um, a contingency search firm or five contingency search firms. It doesn't matter. Really what you're doing is you're... Um, paying a fee once, who, once that search firm finds it. You're not paying anything, if much, up front for contingency. And so what that means is it's a lot faster paced. Um, sometimes people will report, you know, I sort of felt like I was overlooked or I wasn't, uh, maybe the, the recruiter didn't pay attention to me. It's because they have so much on their plate and they're racing against um, other sort of avenues to, to make that placement and then get the fee. When you yeah. look at retained search in that regard, it could be a, a nine-month search. It could be a two-year search because, again, they're looking for that needle in a haystack. There's an exclusive. So if I'm the company um, 
a Fortune 10 company, a Fortune 20, it doesn't matter, hiring a search firm, I'm going to hire one search firm. Anyone who comes to me sort of externally is going to funnel through the search process. Um, there is a three-part fee. So there's the fee on engagement. Um, there's the second part of the fee, which is paid um, to, the retains, um, to the retained search firm once they deliver the first round of candidates, usually three, three to five candidates, often three. Um, and then once that person is finally hired. Okay. Okay, good. And so the level that you are at, the type of position you're looking for, you'll be able to tell fairly quickly if you're working for a contingent firm who's not really worried about you necessarily, but more about getting that requisition filled and and moving on versus the retained search where they're really trying to find the individual who's the best fit in a more holistic way for the company that that is hiring them. That's right. And, you know, it's interesting because to that point, you have, um, as a candidate, let's say you're wanting to be sort of proactive in how you reach out to a recruiter. On the contingency side, they're much more open to sort of getting unsolicited resumes Mm -hmm. because they look through it the applicant tracking system might scan it and, and um, deliver some top rankings about who they should reach out to. They're going to pick up the phone or email back and, and try to qualify that person to their spec very, very quickly. On the flip side, that kind of activity for us as um, candidates can backfire because what, we're, what retained search is doing is they're hired to go out and find candidates. They're not hired to... Um, parse through resumes. They're not hired to get inbound resumes. So frequently, inbound resumes, um, when I was in retained search, the inbound resume was sort of set aside. And in fact, the fact that that person came to us reflected that there was some sort of a pain point. And they're not looking for people who are ready to move in retained search. You're looking for people who are ostensibly happy where they are. And you have to woo them. You have to find not only that needle in a haystack fit, basically the square peg in the square hole, but you are also looking at um, uh, they're happy where they are, and you're going to pluck them from where they are. So, on its sort of on the on its face, and a resume coming in to me and retain search is something that we we um, didn't consider certainly where I was. I was with the Alexander Group. Okay, that's interesting because I know of a. Um an individual who was hired through a retained search firm because they heard of the position being open and they wanted to work at that organization. And so, you know, it's very high-level networking, obviously. Right. Heard that the position was, was open and that they were looking and somehow got through applying, actually applying for the position, and it worked out. But that's obviously rare, and it probably happened more because of that person's reputation and fit with the organization than that that process works very often. That's right, because the um, I was immediately wondering how that person came into the process, because it's possible that they knew someone in the company, and the company... Um, pass them along to the search firm to, to vet them through the process. So that networking piece applies, um, but that's, again, we, always, we often sort of go back to the importance of networking, and that's such a huge one because um, that is one way to get in through the back door, if you will. Yeah, and we'll talk about that 
more later because I want to dig into that a little bit just based on something that was going around at a conference that we were both just at. Um, So tell me a little bit about why a company uses a retained search firm. Why, you know, why would a company choose to use a retained search firm? What's their motivation? Yeah, so if you look at it from the, the, um, the candidate perspective, I have a guy who came to me and he's you know, looking at maybe being open to, some, uh, to moving after many years with the same company. And he said, I'm probably a fit for maybe 20 jobs in the entire country. So that is the kind of person... Uh, when you're on the retained search firm, you're going to be hired to find one of those 20. So yeah. I'm going to get my, you know, my pile of research of people who might be interesting to talk to, and I really am looking for that needle in a haystack. Um, whereas on the contingency side, it may be a more fungible type of role uh, that is being sought. And, and so perhaps the thing that mot- motivates the, the company to hire contingency is you know, they're looking for an HR director, let's say, or an HR manager. Um, there are many, many more HR managers in the world than there are um, uh, an assistant general counsel who, a counsel who went to a top ten law school who also has an engineering degree. So yeah. the specificity, I think, of retained search. Um, and, and also, really, the expertise that the search firm brings to the table. They are, They have a... They're built to do this kind of really, really specialized search. Yeah. And it's more of a, um, it's the ultimate of finding that specialist, right? And the the searches that I've had clients who are working with retained search firms, it was athletic directors, city managers, you know, those types of positions that, like you said, there's really not that many people that are, going to be able to do a city manager job in a small town that have lived in, you know, small towns like that or whatever might be the criteria, but something that's quite specific. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, going back to that needle in a haystack versus, um, and this is perhaps a little um, unglamorous, but sort of throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, yeah. That laser beam approach that retain search uh, has versus contingency. There it's a really much faster process. And, um, so there are a lot of things that sort of trickle down from that. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back, and we're going to talk about how one works with or gets to that point where they can work with a retrain, retained search firm if they are a job seeker. So we'll be right back and get some more great information from Jared. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. 
Inside Healthcare is the only radio program focused solely on the healthcare industry. We bring together new and experienced entrepreneurs and industry veterans from throughout the country who are changing the dynamic on how healthcare is delivered today. Join us as we ask the tough questions, explore current topics, and discuss the new partners and models in healthcare that successfully address the needs of population health across the country. Listen Mondays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we are talking to Jared Reddick, who is in San Francisco with the Resume Studio, but Jared has a unique background as a retained executive recruiter. So we are talking about the difference between retained and contingent search, what that looks like, and then how to work with those folks or maybe even how to be found by the retained search folks if you're in that space where where those folks are going to be looking for you. So just some highlights we talked about retained search kind of that needle in a haystack approach longer term looking for someone very specific and usually at a higher pay scale maybe 250 to above and that contingent search usually being more local Lots of people that might fill that position, although they're still looking for the best match, and they're usually for positions less than 150000 There might be some overlap there, but it's pretty easy to tell, it sounds like, if you're working with a contingent or a retained recruiter. Is that right, Jared? Yeah, that's right. And one of the, the um, important things, if you want to sort of get right down to it on the, the search firm's bio, is if they say retain search, they are. If they're not, then you can assume that they're contingency. So that's a nice little nugget to sort of tuck away. Okay, perfect. So when we got done there, we were talking a little bit about how to work with that retained search, right? That you don't want to send them your resume because that might actually backfire on you. But you did mention some other things. So tell me, if I was a CEO out there thinking about making a move, how could I position myself to get found by one of these people? Yeah, it's probably no surprise that I'm going to say LinkedIn. And um, I interviewed 12 uh, search folks um, recently when I did a presentation on this topic. And I said, what's the difference um, in the past 10 years between sort of search then and search today? And to a head, every one of those 12 said uh, LinkedIn. So sort of to sort of build on that, back in the day we would have research teams who would look at the book of lists for each city. They would look at um, company information, anything that was publicly available, um, filings and what have you, and then they would call into a company and, and uh, pretend to be something they weren't and get the name of whomever the target might be inside that company. By the time it got to me, 
the research was a list that I would call and I would actually sort of approach the people on the list. Um, everyone talked about how LinkedIn has really shortcut that process. So if you, if you think about it and you take the idea that you want to be, appear to be happy where you are, and even if you are, um, you want to sort of prepare LinkedIn as if you're happy where you are. Use LinkedIn for a to, as a tool for doing business um, uh, in your company, but you also need to sort of layer in a lot of the intentions about where you might want to go. That sounds easy, and it's easy to say, but it's quite hard to do, and it's where I spend a lot of my time actually is. How do you put yourself on LinkedIn in a way that doesn't tip off the boss? Um, it, it doesn't sort of make it look like you're looking for a job, but it still makes you findable when that search firm, when the right one comes along, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, that is a fun trick, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I think to that point, actually, if you think about sort of long-term, all right, I'm thinking I might want to make a move because things don't happen quickly in that world. Um, on either side and on any side of the equation. So make sure you're writing, make sure that you're publishing, make sure that you're speaking and presenting and developing that sort of subject matter authority in your specialization or your niche, whatever that may be, however broad or however sort of compact that niche may be. And again, so that you're ready and able to be found. Yeah, and I, I love this conversation because it's really about focusing on being good where you are and letting that attract people. Whereas a lot of times when we're frustrated with where we are or whatever, our performance actually kind of slips, right? Because right. We're, we're, we're looking elsewhere. And this really says if you want to be taken as the cream of the crop, even if it's maybe not by a retained search firm, if you want to be picked even by a contingent firm as the cream of the crop – then it's really all about being known for being good at what you are doing. That's right, and that sort of circles back to that uh, guy I talked about at the top of the show. He said to me directly, there are 20 jobs that I'm probably good for in the country, and I've got to be you know, really laser sort of available and focused on them. And he has relationships with, with many of those companies himself, but he's, you know, he was putting his documents together, so to speak, uh, so that he's... So that whole thing is ready. And I guess another example I would sort of talk about is a friend of mine who's in management consulting says, you know, recruiters call me all the time, and I'm just like, don't call me back unless. And I said to him, I said, you know, but it's a long-term sort of thing. If you develop a relationship with a recruiter and help them in their whatever search they might be doing, um, you're going to look at, you're going to be looked at as sort of playing by the rules properly and looked at more favorably rather than being flagged because this guy is, is uh Contrary, let's say. It's <laughs> a very nice way to put it. <laughs> so here, let's talk about the role of networking in this type of, of search. So networking into firms that we know might be using retained search firms for the types of positions we're applying for. Right. I think the um, perhaps the most obvious way, and this is, again, because you... Yeah. The way that retained search works often is, again, you're looking for happy people to pluck and they have a real specialization. So the fact that you're reaching out sort of suggests that you might not be so happy where you are. So it's tricky. Um, I would use LinkedIn to find out um, uh, the company. that, And often the company, by the way, if it's posted at all, the company name is not going to be available. 
And so mm-hmm. it's, it's very, very difficult to do it. Um, and in fact, search, search firms will list on their websites what searches they might be working on, but they're not going to talk about, they're not going to give the name of the company. Um, but no matter what kind of um, networking you're doing or searches, you should use um, LinkedIn and drill down as far as you can into people's profiles. Set your, um, your presence to anonymous if you don't want to be found out. You can just go into LinkedIn settings and, and change that. But then drill down and start to put together pieces and find out, hey, who do I know that knows someone? That could be a really valuable tool. Um, also understand what their pain points are. And you know, if there's a particular company you're looking at working for, how can you work that into what you're speaking about? How can you work that into um, a blog you might be writing so that when those search terms are um, entered not only in LinkedIn but Googled, um, that you come to the top and then they, get, they have your attention as well. Yeah, and some of the things you were talking about before are kind of inherent networking, right? If you're blogging or and specific, especially presenting or publishing within your your niche, you're probably very naturally networking with the other people who would want to recruit you anyways, right? The actual hiring managers that would want to recruit you if you're active in your field. That's right. And if and if we use you and uh, I, for an example, um, we have a really specialized thing that we do, and a recruiter might call in to you and say, hey, Marie, I've got, you know, I'm working on a search for XYZ company. Um, often what they'll say is, um, to sort of keep it uh, a white glove experience, they might say, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're doing a search for X, Y, and Z, and wonder if you might have any ideas of people we should talk to, when in fact you're the person that they want to talk to. The truth is there can be some names passed along from you. You might say, you know what? That might not be the right fit for me because one reason or another. But I know, you know, Jared Reddick, you might reach out to him because, and because you and I know each other through our network, then my name was passed along unbeknownst to me until the search firm calls me. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And that's actually some of the ways that I've seen things happen when I've worked with people using who were hired by retained search firms, I guess, or whatever that process looks like, but that that was part of their process. And it was, there is some networking involved, but it's more about being known in the field rather than maybe what we might talk about as proactive networking when we talk about networking, right? And reaching out to your friends and telling them that you're looking and all of those networking types of activities aren't going to maybe apply as much to groups that are using these kinds of firms. That's right. And to, to be too aggressive, um, at least outwardly, can actually backfire if you're looking to be the candidate. It really is. If you look at it as a long-term process and then um, sort of develop that over a period of, let's say, months or even years, a lot of people I work with are coming and they're saying, hey, I want to do X in ten, by ten, within 10 years. How can we start that ball rolling? Yeah. Yeah, and having the forethought to do that is part of the challenge, right? And part of what the skill set requires in that type of role, to have that long-term vision. And if you want to be in that type of role, I'm working with someone who wants to move up to the next level. And I think having that vision and the patience to get there is part of the game. 
That's right. And, and don't be afraid to sort of let it go, if you will. Just stand in your professional center and because the, the next one, that might not be the right opportunity for you and you will both know it. Um, but they may, you know, the search firm may call again because now you're on the radar. Yeah. Well, Jared, I've so appreciated getting to talk to you today, and I just want to give you a few minutes to tell people how they can get in contact with you, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever websites that you might have that you want to give to people who might be listening that could could use your insights and your help. So. Tell people how they can find you. Sure, absolutely. I um, am at theresumestudio.com, so T-H-E, theresumestudio.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. Just type in Jared Reddick, and I'm the resume writer, not the ballet dancer. There are two of us in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the resume studio is my Twitter handle, um, although I've been sort of woefully behind on keeping up with that. And um, I really work with stealth job seekers who are looking at making a long-term plan. So... Um, most projects are, are multiple weeks, and I have a bit of a wait list, so uh, I should probably give a heads up about that. <laughs> well, it sounds like it would be worth it if the client is at that level and, and needs to be doing that. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us here, and um, I hope that people will get in touch with you if you can be of help, and we look forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks for having me, Marie. Yeah, have a great have a great night. All right, listeners, well, don't tune out because we will be right back and we're going to talk through some more tips on how to work with contingent recruiters. If you are in that world, it's a very important place to be as well and to know how to work with those people. So we'll be back in just a few minutes and keep talking about working with recruiters to work on your job search and getting where you want to go. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You 
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we are talking about working with recruiters today. And we just had Jared Reddick on the line, and such a great information, and if you're at that level, you might want to connect with him. And that was Jared Reddick with The Resume Studio. And he talked a lot about kind of more how to get found by a recruiter than how to approach a recruiter because of the types of recruiters that he works with. And I also think that no matter what type of recruiter you're wanting to work with, those are really good things to be thinking about, right? How can you be sought out by being a subject matter expert in your field, writing, publishing, speaking, all of those things that are going to get your profile higher up on the list when they do keyword searches. Part of that is having a great LinkedIn profile. It's lots easier if you are actively searching, right? Right now I'm working mostly with people who are currently employed and searching, and that's trickier. And how do you make that work on your profile where you look happy where you are and you've got enough stuff in there about where you want to go and what your brand is that you can get found by recruiters who are looking. And I think that if we are currently employed or if we're unemployed, we know that HR people want to hire people who are employed, right? It's one of those strange little things out there in the workforce today. And even if we're unemployed, there are things that we can do to make our profile attractive. And part of that is this balance of talking about yourself without being desperate, right? And so it might look a little bit different if you're unemployed than if you're employed, but the idea is the same. Be that expert. Share your specific expertise and of course the more defined of a niche you have the easier it's going to be to do that and if you're looking for some resources on that of course we've done lots of shows around your career focus and being able to narrow down your target market both in what you do and where you want to do it that focus and that building of your subject matter expertise is part of what Jared was talking about so that people will see you when they're looking for someone in that field, when they're looking for that specialist to come in and solve the problem. And in the big picture of things, that's what recruiters are looking for, right? I had a recruiter talking at this last event that I went to and he said, you know, you either make money because you're in marketing or sales, you save money because you're in finance, or you solve a problem. And of course, that covers a wide range of us. But it's what problem do you solve and how can you demonstrate yourself as a subject matter expert in solving that problem? 
not just in all the things that you do at work, but also on LinkedIn. And if you look at LinkedIn that way, it might make it easier to build your LinkedIn profile even while you're employed, talking to the problems that you solve for your current business and realizing that those are similar problems to the problems your future employers might solve and really targeting that in, right? So that your profile is really speaking to the types of positions, the types of problems that you know your future employers have as well as where you are currently. And, you know, Jared talked about setting your profile to anonymous so when you view other people's profiles, they don't see who you are. That's in your LinkedIn settings. And being able to see what those people are looking for, what their businesses are doing, and translate that into the work that you're doing, whether that would be a blog, white papers, any of those intellectual discussions that you can be getting out there for yourself. Right? That thought leadership is really something we don't probably talk about enough, especially in today's world where everybody's looking for a specialist how do you make yourself look like a specialist? Well, part of it is building that subject matter expertise. The careful thing there or the caveat that I might say is to make sure you're building that subject matter expertise in the direction you want to go, especially if you're looking to take a step up. Just talk to several technical people in the last couple of weeks who are trying to move from that more technical leadership role to a general or strategic leadership role. And if your LinkedIn profile looks like a technical leader, it's going to be hard to get recruiters to be looking at you for that strategic leadership. And how can you speak to the strategic leadership about your current role? It's a little bit about language, right? It's about how you're framing the problems that you're solving and you want to be framing them in the language of where you want to go, not the language of where you are. It's obviously is harder than it sounds, which is why Jared and I help people do that. So thinking about recruiters in general, a recruiter is typically looking for a specific solution to a company problem, whether that's this retained type of search where it might be a really specific niche or a contingent search, which may be looking at a little bit larger pool, they're still looking to solve that employer's problem. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions that I see with job seekers who want to work with recruiters is that they think that person's on their side. And although I've known some really great recruiters who really want to help people find work, when it comes right down to it, it's that company who's their client. They'll call people clients. Guess what they're talking about? The companies. It's that company that's making the paycheck. And they want to help you find a job. But really, their job is to find that company the right person. And so you just have to go into that relationship with a recruiter knowing that, that it's their job to find the right person for this company, and that that might not be you. How can you help them solve their problem? Because that will help you solve your problem, right? Any way that you can help them in their search sounds strange, 
But if there's people that you can say, hey, you know, I can send you this person or that person, it's all about building relationship. Just like any other kind of networking or any of those things, building a relationship with that recruiter. And not getting disheartened when they don't call you back or when something's not a good fit. And they may not tell you why it's not a good fit for many reasons. In the end, it's because that company wanted a very specific thing and they didn't feel like you were that thing. So how can we move forward from that? And really, it's asking that recruiter what they want you to do. I know lots of recruiters who want you to follow up via email on a weekly basis or follow up via phone on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis. Ask them, are you typically placing people like me, right? And they probably will shoot you straight. If they don't, then you may not want to work with that person, but they'll probably shoot you straight and say yes or no. And most of them will refer you to someone else if they feel like you would be a good candidate for someone else, right? They all want to help each other, and then most of them want to help you. So asking them if they place people like you, if they place the types of positions that you'd be a good fit for, however you want to phrase that, and then how would you like me to, to stay in contact with you to make sure that if I'm a good fit for something, I can get my materials into you in a timely manner. Staying in touch, staying in touch. And then realizing that all of the things that you would want a hiring manager to see you do, you want that recruiter to see you do, right? You want that recruiter to have a good opinion of you. And that might sound like a duh. And I've seen people who are treating that recruiter like the middleman. Yeah, they are. And they probably don't like to think of themselves that way and they probably don't like to be treated that way. And you may think, oh, I'd never do that. I'd, I'd never raise my voice or sound frustrated or um, all of the crazy things that I hear candidates doing and I hear recruiters saying are happening. So keep that in mind. You're asking them permission to follow up. You're following their directions on how to do so, and you're being respectful. Regardless of what we might think of the process, right? I've heard lots of people say, oh, you know, today it's they're so rude, they don't even call you back, they don't let you know. You have the choice not to work with that person or to continue working with that person and give them the benefit of the doubt. Your third choice would be to say something to them about that, which typically won't go well for you in the bigger picture, especially because, as Jared said, most contingent recruiters are working locally. They talk to other local recruiters, and if you are being less than courteous, I can't remember the word Jared used, but it was great, right? If you're being less than courteous, word will get around, and that will hurt you more than than anything else could. So if someone's not following a process that you would like them to follow, you can choose not to work with them. I would watch our reactions in terms of being judgmental around that. It just usually comes back to bite you, right? So thinking about working with contingent recruiters, 
it's realizing that that the company is their client that you're a resource for them and and you can build a good relationship by by being a good resource for them and by doing things the way that will be more helpful to them they are typically flooded and activity in that space has increased immensely immensely right those services are very busy right now as the market especially in northern colorado tightens as unemployment goes down those services are going to be used more and more and yet in some way they won't have as much volume of candidates so that's a good thing for you if you're a candidate trying to connect with those those folks so we're going to come back and we're going to finish up talking about contingent recruiters we're going to talk a little bit about ATS applicant tracking systems and networking when working with some of those recruiters so that you can have that information as you move forward in your search whether you be unemployed or employed and looking to work with those contingent recruiters so we'll be back in just a few minutes business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional banker's hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we've been talking about working with recruiters. And if you missed it, go back and download the podcast. Jared Reddick was talking about working with retained recruiters. A lot of what he said applies to lots of us, whether we're working with those retained recruiters or not. And he did a good job of describing the difference between retained and contingent recruiters so if you're confused at, at the difference there, 
that would be good for you to go back and listen to. Contingent recruiters, again, typically placing local positions, 150 or under, 150,000 and under. And if those are the types of recruiters that we think we'll be working with in our search, there's a few different things to think about. One is there is an element of will your resume make it through their applicant tracking system. That is an important consideration. However, if you are building your resume in a targeted way, if you are speaking to the pains, the keywords, the problems of the type of position and the types of organizations you're applying to, right? If your focus is fairly small and you're building a targeted resume, that applicant tracking system should not be a huge deal, right? You should have the keywords on there and that experience, all of that should be on there already. So I wouldn't get hugely worried about going and checking my resume against their system and paying a whole bunch of money for that. Because if you're paying attention, job description, work on your resume that's focused towards that, looking at the keywords, it should get through. Things that you want to not do, no tables. If I know that you're searching in that way, if you're applying to lots of stuff online or or using recruiters that you're not getting a lot of personal contact with, then we want to make sure... And really, there's no reason to use tables anyway. If your resume is done in that format where it's all tables, whoo, yeah, not going to get through that system, right? We can use some tables, definitely not all tables. And if you're doing it yourself, I just wouldn't do any tables, safest bet. Shading's not going to matter. You want to have good headings, right? You want to have professional experience. You want to have dates. There are... Some systems that will get mad if you don't have city and state. So if there's no reason not to have your city and state on there, get your city and state on there. If you've got gaps or weird things or, you know, experience that doesn't quite fit where you want to go, guess what? There's really no way that we can get you through an applicant tracking system. Well, that may be not true, but it's going to take a professional to get you through that applicant tracking system. So you may search differently, right? Searching through recruiters is one type of search. And if you're searching through recruiters, I would say that falls into two different categories, either similar to applying to posted positions online or similar to networking, right? If those are true contingent recruiters that are working locally to fill local positions, you do have the opportunity of getting to them through networking, regardless of what you might hear. I've seen it done, and it can work if you think this resume or my resume is never going to make it through an applicant tracking system because I just don't have whatever it is that they're looking for or because in my area there are so many people applying to those types of positions. Whatever it might be, they're all just different parts of your search, and you can take advantage of all the different ways of searching even with a recruiter so if you're sending stuff to them online you upload your resume you know that's going through an applicant tracking system do the best you can to target that resume to that applicant tracking system don't use tables use good headings 
put in the city and state information, put in your dates, actual years, right, 2005 to 2009. doesn't have to be months necessarily, but those years, and you'll get through that system if you're a good fit for that position. That's, that's how they work, right? They're not meant to, to be discriminatory in any way although they are calculating years, and if you don't have as many years as they're looking for, you won't make it through. And they are looking for keywords, right? It's not rocket science. It's, it's pretty common sense that that's what those systems are looking for. That doesn't mean that you can't network. doesn't mean you can't network with those recruiters. You can't talk to them, see how they want you to be working with them. You can't build relationships, help them with their search. All of those pieces can work together in a totality for your job search, right? And maybe more important to do some of those things than others, depending on what you're looking for, right? Look around, talk to people in your industry. Are there recruiters that place for what you want to do in your area? I can tell you that there's not always, right? There's not recruiters that place certain types of professions in northern Colorado. There just aren't. There are lots of recruiters that place other types of, of positions. And that's going to depend on your geography. What that geography has dictated as in-demand positions, there will typically be some type of contingent recruiter, and maybe even retained, but most likely contingent recruiter that you can build relationship with to be able to get into those positions. And LinkedIn is much easier to use for that, right? LinkedIn might be a little bit more challenging to use if you're in a stealth job search, as Jared would call it, or a retained search level of position. But if you're openly job searching, and of course you don't want to come across as desperate, there's still a lot of ways of in LinkedIn that you can build relationships and your profile with contingent recruiters in your area. And don't count out those that might not be in your area if they reach out to you. Had a client once and someone from three states away connected with him on LinkedIn and I said, hey, you never know. They may have connected with you because they place people in your area for whatever reason, right? Whether they used to live there or they know somebody that that is in a company, so they've got an in and they're recruiting for a company where you are, you know, we don't have to discount those things either. So in general, working with recruiters, know your recruiter, right? Know who they're working for, which is pretty much always the company, and how they want to be approached. If it says retained in their profile, as Jared so graciously pointed out, You probably don't want to approach them at all. You want to find a different way to get noticed by them. If they don't say retained, they might be contingent. And you just have to be a little bit careful, right? Especially if you are employed, contacting that contingent recruiter could put you into jeopardy. Maybe they recruit for your company. Lots of contingent recruiters won't tell you who they recruit for either. So be a little careful there. And... If you are especially unemployed, considering ways that you can build relationships with those recruiters is going to be to your benefit. And even if you're employed, if you can find a way 
to build relationships with those recruiters. It'll help you in the long term. It's really the essence of networking when you can help a recruiter fill positions and then further down the road, maybe they'd have something that's a good fit for you. So I love how we just come right back full circle into building relationships, i.e. networking. So if you're working with recruiters and and you have questions, please feel free to email me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com. And I look forward to seeing you here right back here at the Career Confidant. We've got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. And we'll see you right back here next Monday on the Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 